And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this uh, October, Saturday morning. We're into October pouring. Good morning. A little morning. bit chillier, a little bit chillier, yeah, a little bit damper. There has been a slight turn, as there they sure say. There sure has. You're not in your T-shirt this morning. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm well wrapped up because, uh, as you know, later on today we're going um, gardening in Kilchma. But before I get to that, I was actually, uh, my mother asked me to, to mention something. My mother has, has uh, celebrated a significant birthday and I was in with her during the week and um, she and as you know you, you never mention a lady's uh, age no uh, but my, my, my dear mother is 85 and she is like a 21 year old good uh, honours Mrs Horkin good morning to you so I called in during the week and she was actually heading out to her Tai Chi class of all things and told me that she uh, has decided to take up the ukulele <laughs> Of all things. Oh, can I, well, can I give a blast then to the Nacrockery <laughs> ukulele collective that we have in Roscommon, oh, uh, which is great. They're a great group. So, uh, and uh, yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any restriction on age or anything like that. Fantastic. The so ukulele. The, the, the ukulele of all things, you know. And, oh, and you'll she, have a great time. She told me she's so busy that she has had to. She has give, time to see you. No, she, she gave up the choir to be able to take up the ukulele and to be able to do her Tai Chi. But she asked me to mention, um, uh, my mum and dad live in, in Turlock and Castle Bar and the park, you, Young at Heart, are um, starting their meetings again on the 14th of October. That's a Thursday at 10.30. Uh, so she asked me to mention that for her. So that's the park, Young at Heart. They're starting their meetings again uh, Thursday, the 14th of October at half ten in the Park Community Centre. Well, won't that just be so wonderful for everybody? To the, everybody the get as well. back together again. <laughs> so there you go. I tell you, I'm in awe, I, but that is the way to go as one uh, proceeds, I suppose, in in terms Absolutely. of the years. Yeah, it's, uh, totally. It's, it's the not way about to go. the number, is it? It's, it's never about, your, about the number. It's about your attitude. And, totally and is. Things. So yeah. a fantastic attitude. Um, so yeah, so we're off to Kilchamaw today, and um, we're doing a metal um, with the Kilchamaw Tidy Towns. I mentioned it last mm-hmm. week, and um, the guys have done a fantastic work on um, renovating the old signal box and railway station in Kilchamaw. It's all painted up. The old levers are still there. Like, it's great to see it. Um, and it brings me back because when I were, we were reared in Castlebar, we were reared right beside the railway station. So I have fond memories of that. But it's lovely to see the work they're doing. We're planting up a bank today with biodiversity plants. So everything from Lavateria and, and Brooms and St. John's Wort, the Hypericum, some fuchsias are going in there. So we've kind of selected a range of plants, the Budleas, the Butterfly Bush, that are going to be aesthetically beautiful, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's going to be lots of colour there in particular. Um, but in we've also kind of selected plants that, that are going to bring the, the bees and the pollinators and the birds in um, next spring, summer and autumn. Um, so we have over 400 plants to plant. Uh, the team were telling me we laid out the plants last night and the team were saying to me they have 22 volunteers ready to turn up this morning so hopefully the weather doesn't put people off no it won't Um, and the sun sun suddenly is shining in the window here absolutely and we'll have them planted within a within a um, within about an hour I think Mm. we'll we'll get through them all so so that's kicking off so as soon as I leave here today I'm off to Kilchimon we'll do a bit of planting so if people are free if they want to come down um, I'm going to give the guys a little chat just on on the planting of plants and how to plant them Um, soil conditions are still perfect we tried a few test holes last night so the soil conditions are perfect for planting and um, I'm going to show people how to prune things back as well so 
if somebody see, feels energetic this morning, we're kicking out, off at half ten uh, this morning um, in Kilchamaw at the signal box. Uh, it's there on the Knock Road. It's very, very easy to find. Brilliant. So that's it. And then just a couple of things, Deirdre, in, in relation to what people can be doing at the moment. And um, we've had lots of questions in on garlic during the, the last couple of weeks. You know, I've been recommending the old garlic wonder for various uh, treatments. Uh, you know, it's particularly good for keeping slugs and snails off plants. But if you want to grow your own garlic, the bulbs are available in garden centres at the moment. And there are two particular varieties that you plant at this time of year. So we've got the pure white garlic that garlic that you tend to traditionally get in the yeah. shops. That's one called Messy Drome. So think of the great footballer Messi. Okay. Messi Drome. That's a particularly good variety. Um, you buy them as large bulbs, you split them into smaller cloves and you plant them directly out into the garden soil. And garlic at this time of year needs a long growing season but it will start to root straight away once you insert it into the soil. And they're very simple to plant. Um, there's another very good variety called Germador which is, um, it's a purpled skinned uh, variety and it's got a very mild flavour so if you're not a big fan of the really strong garlic look for that one Germador as well Messy Drome and Germador they can be so you've got the white and you've got the purple um, the Messy Drome is an early har- harvesting variety it's right. generally ready if you plant it at this time of year you'll have it ready to harvest in late summer and Germador is one that you harvest in the autumn you plant it now it'll be ready then in the autumn and they both store extremely well if your soil is exceptionally heavy and then you can start garlic off in seed trays. A little bit of compost to break up the cloves as you would. Mm. Pop them into seed trays. Again, put them into a tunnel or greenhouse or even just leave them out, out of doors on your patio. Again, they'll initiate roots and start to grow. And then once the soil starts to dry out in the spring, you can plant. The plants will have already grown six or eight inches at that stage and you can safely transplant them out into the final mm. planting position. Um, same with Japanese onion sets there. You'll find those available in your garden centre at the moment. Very good variety called Shakespeare. Look for that one. It's, it's a particularly good variety. And again, onions can be planted from sets, from bulbs, Japanese onion sets. At this time of year, you get them in the red form, which again are quite mild or in the yellow form which is the Shakespeare Um, and again if you're not ready to plant them directly out of doors again you can start them off in some seed trays out of doors just leave them simply out of doors they're totally frost hardy even if we get a rough winter with frost and snow both the garlic and the Japanese onion plants we don't are so simple well they'll tolerate those cold conditions if we do get it but if it's mild they'll actually continue to grow and you can use the greens and there's lots of good autumn vegetables available at the moment so Mm. things like uh, purple sprouting kale uh, or or broccoli I should say kale plants cabbage plants particularly the autumn varieties of cabbage plants all the lettuce plants are available at the moment so it's really still good planting weather for autumn vegetables particularly the bulbs and particularly the plants um, and still not too late to sow some seeds so if you want to sow some white Lisbon seed for example or Swiss chard they all can be sown from seed out of doors because the temperatures are still I know we were saying it's a little bit chillier but it's actually still quite mild during the week and there's lots of germination uh, going on and the the last thing is really to look at compost making so as we come into autumn many of the trees are going to be shedding their leaves yeah. you're going to see you're still cutting your lawns uh, tr- through October obviously it's a bit wet at the moment but if we do get some mild weather the grass is still growing uh, so continue to mow so all of that material shredded newspapers old eggshells um, coffee granules all that kind of anything that any kitchen waste or garden waste that, that is compostable. Cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, shredded paper, um, newspapers, tea as bags. I said, tea bags, anything like that, they're all 
fantastic material uh, to start a compost heap. All you need is uh, a compost bin or a, a relatively dry area in, in the garden. Put in the material in six inch layers, a little bit of garotto, which is a compost activator that just gets the bacteria going and build it up into layers of different materials. So don't just put all grass clippings, try to put other materials through it and um, that you'll have fantastic compost then as we come into March and April of next Excellent. year. So that's something to look out for. And finally, cuttings, if you are thinking of propagating a couple of your favourite mm. garden plants, this October is again a really super time to take the cuttings of your favourite plants, so hydrangeas or fuchsias or whatever, whatever you want to take cuttings from, this is the time of year to do it. Dip them in the rooting gel, put them into the half perlite and sand, cover them with a polythene bag. So geranium cuttings, for example, if you've got geraniums out in your garden and you don't necessarily want to... Uh, bring them in and, and kind of mother them for the winter take some cuttings of them now and they'll root within six seven weeks and you'll have nice little plants then for next year or any you know even you could try some trailing uh, petunias or begonias we mentioned last week you could if you wanted to take yeah. cuttings from them or or save the bulb um so a really good time to propagate plants your favorite plants from cuttings and a good time of year as well for dividing plants so one of the plants we're actually planting today is geranium roseanne which is that lovely blue flowering geranium that's in flower since may and because the flower is sterile it, it's still in flower in my garden at the moment but at this time of year once it starts to go over within a couple of weeks it's a great time of year to dig the plant up split it into a couple of pieces and transplant it or hostas could be done at this time of year or a still base any of your kind of favourite herbaceous plants that are beginning to go out of flower uh, it's a great time to um, to divide them and split them you know obviously you need a relatively dry day to yes, do it yeah. but it's a really good time to do it rhubarb for example if you wanted to propagate your rhubarb this would be a good time of year for digging it up, breaking it up into several pieces and transplanting it somewhere else in the garden or giving it away to family and, and friends. So there are the type of jobs that can be done in the garden, but super planting weather. Super planting weather. And yeah, and just to plan out, start planning out, I suppose, the, the coming spring a little bit and what do you want to have, you know, in in, in certain spots and things yeah, like and that. Yeah, a bit of spring colour, like even the bulbs, yeah. you know, this is the time yeah. of year that we think about planting up the bulbs for spring colour. So you're dead right. You need to be thinking about, well, you know, if I want a bit of colour in March and April, because as you know on the programme, we're always asked about daffodils that were left in the shed until February. So look at if you if you purchase daffodils and bulbs or, or thing, remember that you can put them in pots and containers, you can put them in window boxes, leave them there until such time mm. as you're ready to put them out in, in springtime if you want, or you can get them directly into the garden soil. So exactly that. If you're thinking of vegetables, like I said, you need to plant them now. If you want your Japanese onion onions next summer you need to plant the bulbs now same with all the the uh, purple sprouting broccoli and cabbage this is the time yeah. to get them into the ground so gardening is all always about forward planning, forward planning. The sowing and reaping principle what we sow now we reap later on in the spring so so uh let's turn to questions uh geraniums in pots that were badly neglected for water and they're in a very poor state would there be any hope <laughs> Well, it depends what what uh, what, uh, what very poor state, state means. Yeah, so look at I mean, geraniums are so tolerant and and uh, can exist on on very dry compost for quite a long time. And generally, when we store them in the winter time, you actually uh, keep them extremely dry. So look at um, what I would do is maybe pot them up, give them a, a drink of water, see can you coax them back. Um, you know, within a couple of weeks whether they're going to kick into growth again. There should be some green. The the stem should be relatively robust and and some green color coloration in the, the stems. If they're gone completely dry and brown, they're not going to come back for you. 
Okay, great. But you can sow them from seed in January, indoors, geraniums, or you can take cuttings from, from plants or get yourself some new plants next season. Now, when should I bring in my calla lilies and trailing begonias? Also, can I move a pheasant berry bush now? Oh, yeah, the pheasant berry, that's a lovely plant. It's a it's a plant called Lecestria formosa, and we call it the pheasant berry because it produces a black berry at this time of year that pheasants and wild birds will feed on. It's a beautiful plant, kind of lovely pink or reddish flowers, um, not dissimilar to a fuchsia flower when it's in flower, and it grows quite tall as well. Really nice plant. Now, it is deciduous, so it, it drops its leaves normally in November, so leave the transplanting until November. So it's probably at its best at this time of year, so I would leave it, enjoy the lovely berries and the colour on the plant. The leaves go a nice reddish colour in autumn as well, and once it goes deciduous, uh, once the birds have picked all the berries off it, dig it up and transplant it. Lecestria or, or the pheasant berry is a plant that um, benefits from pruning mac as well. So once the fruit goes off it in November, as you're transplanting it, cut it back as well. And look, the, cut, the shoots that you take from it, you can propagate from cuttings as well. Okay, brilliant. So lovely little thing. Now, I planted three pink lady apple seeds in separate pots about four months ago. They're doing very well. I have them outside at the moment as it's getting cold and I wonder, should I bring them inside now for the winter? Uh, that's from Noreen in Carafin. No, Noreen, they're better off left outside. I mean, they are deciduous. Apple trees are all deciduous. So these are little seedlings probably taken from the pips of pink apple um, and they'll grow on. Now, you, you may not get pink apple uh, apples from them because it depends how they're pollinated and often when you take pips from uh, eating apples or in or cooking apples you don't necessarily get them true to type mm. um, so you know you these will probably end up as quite large apple trees in time but they're pro- the seedlings are perfectly hardy out of doors so what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks the leaves are going to go yellow they're going to fall off the plants are going to be naked for the winter so put them tuck them in outside somewhere up against a wall you know that they're not going to be knocked around with the rain or whatever or if you had a greenhouse or a tunnel stick them in there for the winter but don't keep them inside because you're going to keep them in false heat and that's not you know they're not going to thrive in that environment so leave them outside as much as possible keep them in a protected area they'll pop kick back into growth again next spring and then maybe plant them out into the planting location that you want to grow them in. Okay. But do remember that they're probably going to get quite large, those trees. Right, pink lady trees will be big trees. Well, they? you see, because they're not going to come true to type, right. you could end up with, with a, anything with, really. With, you could. You could end up with an old crab apple or you could end up with anything, to be honest. Right, okay. Well, the Bramley seedling, you know the Bramley seedling, the great Donegal apple? Yes. That was propagated from a pip, from a small pip in the same way and came through as a really superb variety. You know, so some come true to, to something wonderful, but many, 99%, don't. don't. But an interesting experiment. Absolutely. And brilliant for kids to do and lovely thing to see. the, the And they will flower and they might produce little crab apples and who knows, yeah. you might get a winner as well. Brilliant. Okay. Um, so John John tells us that the ukulele was made famous, incidentally, by George Formby. So there you go. Oh, Pass that good. on to your mum. Uh, should I one... He's, oh yeah, yeah on. he's got a question though too. Should one cut back the fuchsia now? Yeah, well John, fuchsia <laughs> are still in flower at the moment so leave them alone until really they go out of leaf my advice is to enjoy them now for the next I mean they're lovely at the moment so they're in full leaf and many of them are still in full flower so leave your fuchsias until the flowers go off the mid-November is kind of the time to be cutting them back so let the leaves fall let the flowers go off completely if you want John a good time of year to take cuttings from them certainly if you want to propagate um, a fuchsia but apart from that enjoy them for the next four or five weeks Brilliant now the tall tuya trees can you can they be sown at the moment? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So tuya, tuyas are conifers. Um, they're interesting in that when you, if you crush the leaves, the smell of pineapple. They're one of the, my favourite uh, conifers. And they come in a whole range of different varieties. Tuya placata, for example, makes a very good hedging plant if you want something tall, evergreen, um, a kind of a hedging type of plant for screening. Tuya samarald grows in a conical shape. Mm. It produces this lovely conical cone shape without any trimming. So it depends on, on which one you want to grow, but it's certainly a great time to plant all conifers and all evergreens. They're better planted in October because they root over the winter period, ready then to spring into growth next March. Brilliant. Um, now, I planted bulbs and cottage garden seeds last October and they all did beautifully. But what next? Grass, weeds and dead plants are there now. Will the flowers return? Absolutely. I mean, the great thing about bulbs, you know, the daffodils, the snowdrops, the winter nakonites, the crocuses, the nearines are beautiful at the moment. <gasps> Bob. And yeah. they're absolutely yeah. gorgeous everywhere. Um, so the bulbs we planted this time of year obviously flowered generally in this winter, spring sort of period, the bulbs we plant in January and February flower during the summer or the nearines, for example, which are in flower at the moment. They're the beautiful pink um, colour at the moment. They're planted in, in January, February. So, you know, the listener is describing the bulbs have obviously died back, the flowers are dying back. So it's a matter of tidying up the area. So if you've got a wildflower area, October's a great month to cut everything back with a strimmer and re- make sure you remove all the foliage and stems away from the area. Don't don't leave them lying on the surface because they'll rot back into the soil, they'll enrich the soil, which is not what wildflowers need. They need an impoverished soil. So take all the trimmings and cuttings away from the plant. Try to get rid of any weeds that are there as well. And October is a time where you need to focus on weed control because weeds are still actively growing and will will do so for the next three to four or five weeks. And particularly in the west of Ireland, they'll often continue to grow through November. So try to have the area as weed-free as pop- possible. Possibly plant a couple more um, spring flowering bulbs or winter flowering bulbs so maybe some crocuses or something there just to give a bit of interest um, at this time of year. So it's really at this time of year it's a tidying back of all wildflowers, tidying up the area, getting rid of any weeds mm. and then if you want to add a bit of extra colour put in some of the spring bulbs, the bluebells the snowdrops, the crocuses, the winter aconites and enemies, all of those are absolutely lovely okay. and they'll flower from December right through until, until April. Yeah, Great. Um, now have you any suggestions what to do to replace Lalandii? I'm mm. removing it in a large front garden. Mary is in Galway. Okay, so look at my advice always with hedging plants is to pick the hedging plant. It's a bit like picking the puppy. You want to pick a, the puppy to suit the family, the family. And, and the lifestyle and all that sort of thing. So the same applies to hedging. And the temptation is always to pick something that's fast growing. Unfortunately, fast growing hedges continue to grow fast. Uh, in the you know as mature plants as well, so it's all always about selecting the hedge to suit the garden. And there's such a wide variety of plants available uh, for every location, for the most exposed locations, um, and also for the most sheltered gardens. So my advice, Mary, is Mary, yeah, mm-hmm. it is to go in, is to take some photographs of the front garden and go into your local garden centre with the pictures, and they will recommend a hedge that will be suitable for your the location and obviously for the size of the front garden and the ultimate height that you want to grow the hedge to. So if you want a a hedge that's below six feet, then you need to go for something that's slow growing to medium growing. That's not going to um, break your heart, trimming and cutting back. And obviously you're getting rid of the Lelandii because of that reason. 
they seem like a good choice <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. because, they're, because of their speed but yeah. they, unless they're controlled they just are too vigorous for most gardens whereas something like Crystallini or Portuguese Laurel or O'Leary or Iliagnus or Fuchsia or Berberus there's loads of options, options available so really my advice is to take some photographs bring them in on your phone into your local garden centre and they'll talk you through the most suitable plants to, to grow it's a super time for planting hedging plants. So again, October, November is the time of year to start getting them in. Great. Uh, and Red Shank took over part of the veg plot this year. Should I spray next spring, asks Vincent. Well, Red Shank, yeah, it's, a, it's an annual weed. Um, so what you can do, if, it, if it's, and it, it can be very problematic and it grows very, very quickly and is very prolific once it once the seed starts with red shank, it spreads everywhere. Um, so what you can do, there's two things you can do. You could cover that area if it's a relatively small area but with black polythene. And when the red shank germinates in the spring, mm-hmm. it'll naturally die away. You can allow it to germinate in spring if you want without the polythene and hoe it off. Or if you, if you, if you want to use a spray treatment, again, you can allow the red shank to show itself. So don't sow the area with any vegetables uh, allow the red shank to show itself say in late March, early April and then treat the area with something like weed free 360 and then sow your vegetable plants. Perfect. So a couple of options. A couple of <clears throat> options there. Okay, we'll go over to photographs here. Yeah. A gardening question. One of my hedge plants has wilted as you can see in the photograph. Yeah. The hedge is only beginning to establish itself now after planting last year but the others are doing well. Is this one a lost cause Is there, or is there anything I can do to revive it? Yeah, so this is O'Leary Hastii. Um, oh, it's, right. it's Hastii, yeah. It's a really, really good hedging plant, particularly for exposed seaside areas. It's got the lovely silver foliage, um, evergreen. Uh, you, know, not, you know, it's brilliant in, in, in kind of cold, um, exposed seaside gardens in particular and puts up with the salt winds really well. The plant we're looking at is certainly dead, so remove that mm-hmm. and it could be due just simply down to um, a root pl- problem. The plant may have got uh, loose in the, in the soil, but it's definitely gone. There's no point in trying to coax that back. So take that out and get yourself a new plant. The other thing I would recommend, the, the, the rest of the plants that are right beside this plant are lovely and healthy, yes. but they're a bit leggy. So they haven't been trimmed back. See how the right at the top, it's quite yes. long, leggy growth. So they have received no pruning this year. So my advice is to trim those back. And with young hedges, it's very important to train them from an early stage by lightly trimming them back once or twice during the summer period. That simply encourages the, the plant to thicken up, get stronger at the base, be more resilient um, for the wind, and you end up with a nicer hedge. So you're training, going back to the puppy idea, Start the, the plants when they're young, a light bit of trimming to shape them. To, to You encourage kind of um, lateral growth and the hedge starts to fill in together rather than that vertical growth, which makes them tall and leggy and yep. more susceptible to wind damage. And that may be why the plant has died. It might just have got a bit of wind rock right. and things. So always trim pl- plants right. back after planting and particularly hedging plants, you know, for the first year or two, just keep them well trimmed and sh- get the shape into them. Yeah. the body into them. Brilliant, okay. Um, now, can I cut back my red robin hedge? Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I cut back my red robin hedge in July. Is it okay to cut them back again now, asks yeah, Bernie? Yeah, so Bernie has done the right thing. There's a there's a really good, and, and obviously would probably have seen the benefits of trimming back in July, because again, like I mentioned with the O'Leary, if you trim particularly plants like Fortini red robin a couple of times a season,
season you end up in a far bushier, denser plant with more colour on it. So Bernie, you can give it a light trim back again now, absolutely. Um, take about six to eight inches off the plant with uh, hedge trimmers. Um, it's, it'll do a small bit of growing between now and kind of the depths of winter and um, kick back into growth next spring again. Okay, now we've got a couple of pictures here, uh, good close-ups of leaves, a rose issue. Yeah. Um, so the problem is what's happening with my roses this year? Leaves have yellow and black spots. Some are like a sieve, small holes, yeah. and some stems have few leaves. But I've lots of roses. So and there's a selection of photographs there ah, which we've seen. Some great flowers yeah. on them. Like so, that looks like iceberg to me. The iceberg rose, which is a lovely floribunda white flowering rose. But you can see it has dropped all its leaves. It has. All the leaves have gone. And look at we're in <clears throat> you know early October now. Roses are obviously they're going to continue to flower for another couple of weeks. But at this time of year, roses naturally pick up uh, disease problems. The the, the holding the the leaf holes yes. is capsid. Uh, bug damage. So that's a little pest that feeds on the leaves of roses and creates these pin-like holes, kind of takes little sections of the centre of the, the leaves out of the plant. Because it's October, there's nothing to worry about. I know it can look a bit unsightly, but mm. I wouldn't bother treating them now. Uh, let the roses continue to flower, continue to deadhead them, and then prune them back once we get into the middle of November. Put on a little bit of the winter wash that I mentioned last week. So that can be put on once you prune your roses or your apple trees. Put on the winter wash in mid-November. That helps to get rid of any bugs in particular over the winter period. And then as we come into spring of next year, feed it once a month. Use the Rose Clear Rose Rescue once a month, normally up to the end of September and the rose will be perfectly fine. Well, I mean, the, the rose that we saw there in the bed, they're there's loads of, yeah, they're they're, lo they're lovely colour there. Plenty of colour. Yes, it can be a bit, um, they're not, the leaves aren't perfect, shall we say, mm. but they're, they're still totally acceptable to be like that at this time of year. Okay. Uh, I've dahlias in pots. Can I just bring them inside for the winter or do I have to take them out of the pots, asks Colette. Well, the key thing with, with, with dahlias, um, I would be more in favour of lifting them because now they're still in flower and will continue to flower to the end of October, November. I mean, leave them in the pots until the frost actually cuts them back. After the first night of frost, then trim back all the stems take the tubers out and dry them because the danger you have in leaving them in the compost is A, they can be still quite wet over the winter period and can then rot. Secondly, you can get uh, both disease problems and also pest problems. So things like vine weevil, if they're in the compost, will relish your tubers over the winter period and eat away on them. The same applies to begonias. So for the sake of 10 minutes or 15 minutes, taking the tubers out, letting them dry out in newspaper and storing them. And the other benefit of doing that is that as we come into spring, like a potato, yeah. you can split your dahlias into several. So from the one tuber, you can propagate it into two or three new plants for next year. Right. So if they're sitting in the pots, that's going to be difficult, difficult. to do. Yeah. And and also the compost is probably going to be a bit spent. Dailies are quite hungry feeders. So, you know, leaving them the same compost into next year is not the best idea. So I would favour lift them. lift them, let them dry out completely in a garage situation, leave them totally dry, wrapped in newspaper for the winter. Next spring then as they come into bow growth, they'll initiate little new growth, little buds like a potato sprout right. and you can split as long as you've got a green growth and a little bit of tuber, you've got yourself a new plant. So even for a, from a big tuber, you could end up with eight or ten 
you plants. Okay. Shouldn't be telling you that, should I? No, I'm, I have I have a I have a dahlia in a pot. Oh, there you go. Well, you'll have ten dahlias next year. I need to buy some pots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, that that's brilliant and that's great advice. And I think there'll be lots of people uh, uh, putting that into yeah, practice. Yeah, over, and save yeah. them, you know, and, yeah. and propagate them, and then give them away to family and friends next year. Yeah. You know, it's a great yeah. way to to share the plants. This person has cyclamen plants. Um, uh, from last year, they're not yet flowered. Wondering what can I do to encourage flowering? And they've also sent in a couple of photographs of a weed that continues to spread around the paths and garden. Wondering what they can do to kill it off and prevent from recurring. Okay, so the, the weed is liverwort, which is very common at the moment. And particularly as we come into autumn, you see a lot of liverwort. So it's like a it's like a very small leafed moss that, that spreads, particularly in damp areas. So you often find it at the edge of beds or on tarmac macadam or in, in through paving slabs um, so very evident at the moment and you can use the pack treatment that we use for controlling moss and algae on pathways so where liverworth is present on a um, on on a driveway or, or I think it's against a, 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 a bed here yeah, in this instance there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of soily and, and gravelly where, where it's actually growing yeah. so use the pack at the 1 to 5 rate so the stronger rate and that'll get rid of it within 7 days um, now you may have to retreat in the springtime because Liverworth is a devil for coming back right, it's just in, one of those things yeah in relation to the cyclamen <clears throat> There are the hardy outdoor cyclamens. So you buy them in bulbs in the springtime and they're totally hardy out of doors. I have them in flower in the garden at the moment and they're absolutely beautiful. They've got lovely marble foliage and little oh. pink flowers or purpley flowers and they're lovely if you plant them under trees. They only grow about four inches high. But what you often find when planting them from bulbs, they may... They take two years to flower so the bulb is growing it's producing its leaves but it, it doesn't have the energy or the size mm. to actually come into flower and with outdoor cyclamen um, my, my my particular ones are actually in flower at the moment but there are spring flowering cyclamen as well that flower in March and April so it depends on the variety that the listener planted but also it depends on the age of the bulb so if the bulbs are healthy and the, the, they're producing foliage then leave them undisturbed they will come into flower and depending on the variety that the listener has, they'll either flower in the autumn or flower in the spring. And do they come back every year? Every year. But do they? I, oh, I yeah, just thought they were... They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, small, the bulb is, is a corm. It's very similar to a begonia corm. Really hard. When you actually buy the bulb, it looks, it looks nothing. Right. <laughs> it, looks like no, it looks like you a think, bit of cardboard. You think it might be dead. Well, it does actually, yeah. But 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 it's beautiful under broadleaf trees. If you plant it under trees, say like an oak tree or an ash tree, and somewhere that you're not going to disturb it, that's really what, what they need. So they're not suitable for planting, say, in flower borders and beds that you're constantly digging over because you'll dig out the corn. So they're kind of for an area that's going to be undisturbed. So beneath trees, woodland areas, maybe on a bank or slope, somewhere like that, um, they actually do really well. And they're absolutely beautiful. Um, so they're the type of bulb, you plant them and you forget about them right. and just let them, And but they do take a couple of seasons. To come into their own. Yeah, but as long as they're producing foliage, that lovely marble foliage, yeah. they will settle down to flowering. Okay. And, and they'll you, tolerate shade. Yeah, and you can get some quite big ones. Well, you can. And, yeah, like and the, bigger, the giant, or I don't know, the giant the, or what they're called. The bigger, the better. Yeah. The, because you can literally get small little corms yeah. and, and that's really just down to the age. So the bigger the, the bulb, bulb, and that applies to all bulbs, the larger the bulbs you can get, good heavy weighty bulb is an older bulb and it will come into flower earlier. Right. What do we do with rhubarb now? 
Well, you, as I said, you can certainly divide. It yeah. is dying back, so like it's too late to be harvesting anything of, of it. It's going to be dying back now. So you've got your options of dividing it and splitting it and moving it to new areas of the garden. The second thing to do as soon as it dies back is to get yourself some of the, that lovely garden manure that I talked about, yes. your garden compost or farmer manure or mushroom compost, um, and literally mulch the rhubarb. Literally put a six or eight inch layer, cover the entire crop or patch with uh, some form of organic matter because that's what rhubarb really loves. Then in January, get yourself an old dustbin and cover a couple of stools, uh, exclude the light. We used to use old tea chests in the mm. good old days, but an old pot will do, terracotta pot, and literally cover the rhubarb, a couple of the rhubarb stools, and you'll fool them into coming into growth and they'll produce beautiful pink-sticked rhubarb by the end of February early March if you cover them around Christmas time so you get yourself an early crop of rhubarb um, so that's something you can do but look at the organic matter is the key thing you can divide them at this time of year apart from that there's nothing else to be done Okay now let's uh, look at potatoes I sprayed my potatoes four times what? they still got blight could you please tell me Borek what is it's, when is it safe uh, is it safe to use the same soil next year and does the blight live on in the soil that's a good question it, Yeah really great question it won't live in the soil per se but it will live in the old tubers so it's it's will be critically important to get kind of all the tubers out of the piece of ground now you know good gardening will tell you to rotate your crops so where we grow a crop of potatoes this year I'd be putting in like I said before I'd be putting in my Japanese onion sets or garlic or some cabbage into that area at this time of year so try not to use the same piece of ground year after year and that's more from a nutritional point of view but also from a, a pest and disease point of view. If you're stuck for the same piece of ground, then you can reuse it, but try to get all the tubers out. Blight is spread by, particularly during kind of wet, damp periods, and it's spread by air. So it's spread by by moisture droplets um, Mm. and will spread, you know, so when we get kind of typical blighty weather is that warm, moist weather for about 24 hours and it literally spreads on on the air. But it overwinters in tubers, you know, in bits of potatoes that, that you might have around the garden. So where you've got blight, my advice is to lift the tubers. If the tubers are perfectly fine, they're totally edible. and they're, they're You know, you can eat them. They're, they'll be perfectly fine. But try to get them out of the soil. Get rid of all the stalks that might be there. Put them into your into your bin and get rid of them off-site. Um, try some of the blight-resistant varieties mm-hmm next year. So rather than having to spray, there are varieties like the Sapromira that do really well. Satanta, which I always recommend, it's a lovely variety. It's the daughter of the rooster potato, but it's got great blight resistance. And Blue Danube are three really good varieties um, that are blight resistant um, as well. So, so that'll, try those for next year. And also the, the early varieties like um, Duke of York or Home Guard or Sharps Express, they generally you're digging, taking them out of the ground before blight is a problem. So blight tends to be more of a problem on second early and main crop varieties that are in the ground longer. Okay, great. Now can I use rooting balls on deciduous shrubs now and what do I put in the rooting compost? Is it compost and perlite? Yeah, so that's a great question and it's a great time of year in general for propagating plants. So the rooting balls is simply a plastic device that you fit around the stem of the plant. So you wound you, you, you literally wound so say for example it's a camellia or rhododendron that you want to propagate you strip off some of the leaves, you prepare about a six inch uh, section of the stem so while the stem is still attached to the, the mother plant, you cut halfway into the stem and put a little matchstick to keep the wound open um, a little bit of rooting gel or rooting powder mm-hmm. dab 
tabbed in and then you literally fit the, the rooting ball around that wounded area and you fill it with perlite and compost, a nice gritty mixture. Close the rooting ball, leave it for about six weeks or eight weeks and the plant will have produced the roots. You'll actually see visibly the roots and then once it starts to root, you take off the rooting ball, you cut the plant off the mother plant, pot it up and you've got yourself a new plant. And rooting balls are particularly effective for more difficult, so rhododendrons are difficult to propagate from cuttings as are camellias, uh, but it'll also work on any plant. It'll work on red robin or it'll work for scythiae or any plant, the rooting balls. And on the one plant, you can have five or six of the rooting balls hanging off it. So they're a great way. They're available in your local garden centre. They're kind of a red, like a, they're like a golf ball uh, in different sizes and you can propagate trees, shrubs, whatever with them. Now, somebody has a wild tree and they're wondering uh, if you might be able to identify what it is, Porek. That's a willow. That's a silver-leaved willow. Um, very common, very easy to grow. Um, great in wet areas and kind of that lovely silver, silver, mm. silvery fol- foliage. Okay, great. Um, also, what else have we got here? Oh, a person has a family Christmas wedding. Oh, lovely. Uh, uh, it's a Christmas week. Just wondering for what plants or what plants would be suitable for colour to put into pots and windows boxes. Okay, well the plants that will be flowering through Christmas will be include, you know, things like the winter pansies, the violas, the cyclamen that we mentioned. You can get little cyclamen that are brilliant for for um autumn and winter colour that come in reds and whites and pinks uh, and, and so on. Um, Heliborus, the Christmas oh, rose, they'll be lovely, they'll be flowering at that time of year. If you pop into your local garden centre maybe two weeks before the event, they'll have lots of colour, lots of those plants giving really good colour at Christmas. You'll also have the hyacinths, you know, the lovely scented hyacinths, they're off, they come in uh, at Christmas times into the garden centre in flowers so they've been fooled into thinking it's springtime and they're available at that time of year. So there'll be lots of really good plants. I'd be rather than planting stuff up now and, and kind of trying to get it right for Christmas maybe leave it till two or three, three weeks before the event go and pop into your local garden centre and there'll be loads of colour available at that time of year. Some plants that will have a nice berry colour as well, like mm. Galteria has lovely red berries and it'll have that nice Christmas feel to it as well. The skimmias for larger pots would be lovely at that time of year, very festive and, and that kind of Christmas feel to them. Yes, so there'll be lo- lots of really good plants, but maybe leave it closer. You want the plants perfect on the day. You so do, exactly. Maybe leave yeah. it as close as you can to the day, but don't worry, there'll be plenty of colour available. Brilliant. Um, just wondering, did I hear Porrick say that the planting garlic in the garden helps keep slugs and snails away? Well, not so much the planting. What I was talking about um, was that the garlic wonder is is made from the juice of garlic. So it was a great tip I got from a, a hosta grower in Chelsea. He uses garlic wonder. So you can buy it in your local garden mm. centre as a concentrate. It's a liquid. You simply mix it in your washing can. You apply it to plants that... Gar- that um, slugs and snails relish all your vegetable plants for example or your herbs or your hostas or whatever and you simply apply it onto the foliage and the taste of it keeps them away from the um, from the plants so you can use your own garlic and juice it up uh, or you or can, can literally get the little get concentrate the uh, for it as well the point I was making more so is that this is the time of year to plant garlic it needs a, r- a long growing season okay brilliant now uh over just on the text dwarf pampas said earlier this year Porik, and it's not doing well any tip on how to improve it oh it's unusual that uh, the, the dwarf pampas is one called pumilla it's a, it's actually a lovely variety and they're beautiful 
beautiful this year. They're in full flower at the moment. Like pampas grass is not difficult to grow. It won't tolerate very wet conditions, so if it's excessively wet or right. it dislikes that. But apart from that, there's no pest or disease that uh, affects uh, pampas grass, to be honest. So, you know, if it's excessively wet, then I'd move it to a, a, another area of the garden and you can do that safely now without any problem. Um, but persevere with it. It's um, it's unusual. It's not it's doing not better. doing better, yeah, because it's a, it's a super easy plant. Right, it doesn't, need, it doesn't yeah. need much minding. No, no, no. Um, well, just wondering why a mallow bush would wither underneath while it's in full bloom in the summer. Well, mallow, mallow is the lavateria, mm. the mallow plant, right? And it, it tends to be a short-lived plant. So there are plants like lavateria, the mallows, brooms, for example, that don't live more than about four to five years. Now, probably somebody will ring us and tell us that. They a 20 year old plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, do, you do rejuvenate the plant by regular pruning back. And, and what you find with lavateria or mallow plant, because it's so vigorous, it grows literally four or five feet per year. It tends to get a bit top-heavy. The root structure is particularly fantastic and it tends to keel over after a couple of years but you also get because it's so heavy on top you often get browning and yellowing leaves right at the base of the plant so that's kind of natural with lavateria sunlight is just isn't getting it's down just to not that getting point. down to yeah. it yeah, and it grows so vigorously the way to keep it young is to prune it severely and they're going out of flower at this time of year so my advice would be to cut it back back to within about eight inches of ground level it's a great time of year to take cuttings from lavateria as well but don't see it as a long-term plant if you get five six years out of it you're doing really well so it's the sort of plant that's great to fill up a gap over a short term period but eventually it will die away right. um, it can be propagated easily from cuttings as well and there are many different varieties that come in you know there's um, Barms, Barnsley Baby which is a beautiful kind of shell pink variety there's loads of Brendan Springs as a kind of a deep purple variety so there's lots of different varieties of the Lavateria Mallow again it's a plant that likes a free draining soil it'll do better if the soil is heavy again it won't last as long so it's one of those kind of easy to grow plants but doesn't live forever Pruning it, certainly on a regular basis, helps to rejuvenate it. The sort of plant you propagate every couple of years from cuttings and let the and mother plant die, die away, away and start them off again. Brilliant. When can I p- cut back my paperback birch trees? I need to take them down to by at least 15 to 20 feet. Okay, well, you can do that. Birch responds really well to prune. Now, they're still in leaf, yeah. so I would just leave them at the moment. Wait for the leaves to go off them. It's easier to see what you need to prune out. You can certainly, with birch trees, take limbs off them You know, and, and Rather than maybe, um, you know, giving them just kind of a haircut right across the top, maybe selectively take out some of the larger branches to lighting, lighten the canopy of the tree. So try to keep the formal shape of the birch. You know, I, I don't think they look particularly well if they're cut like a hedge <laughs> and just chopped yeah. back. So selectively maybe take out some of the larger, heavier branches from the tree with a, with a small saw and do that in November. And, and they'll respond to that by throwing out some new growth next spring again. Generally, birch aren't large trees. You know, I have three or four of them in the front of my garden, yeah. very closely planted together. And they're not going to get bigger than about 18 to 20 feet, which is relatively small when we, when we talk about trees. Okay. And they tend to have a light canopy as well. So, so they, they um, it's cause... unusual to be cutting them back, to be honest. Okay, okay. But <clears throat> obviously, they're, they're, they must be fairly they must big be, There's ones. a reason, obviously, yeah. why they need to. So November is the time to trim the back. The other thing, if people have them in their garden, the Himalayan birch in particular, Betula jacquemontii, it's a good idea to put the power washer on it 
every three or four years. It exfoliates the bark, particularly uh, from November onwards, and it reveals a beautiful white bark if you spray them with a, with a high-pressure power hose, particularly if they're kind of mature trees, six, seven, eight years old. They tend to go a little bit greyish and, and a bit greeny, but if you exfoliate the bark, just hit them with the power mm-hmm. washer, wash the branches. It makes a just takes the whole skin off of the outer edge of the mouth, makes them beautiful. It's a bit like power washing that wall. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, tomatoes we grew outside are yellow, but they're very tasty. I did not know there were yellow tomatoes, oh, says are. the listener. Yeah. You, can, you can get green tomatoes, you can get yellow tomatoes, you can get red tomatoes, you can get striped tomatoes. There's a whole There's range loads of, them. of different, yeah. yeah it's probably Sun Baby yeah. that they have. Um, so it's a beautiful variety, really, really sweet. Looks fantastic on in a salad because you've got the green, or you know, you've got the yellow and the red tomato. Um, but yeah, there's loads of yellow varieties. Okay, we'll go a couple more quick ones just before we finish up. I dug up some small white thorns and set them at the back of the house last July and they lost their leaves. Will they regrow again? Which, oh, last July they mm. lost their leaves. Yeah, they should They should do. I mean, look, ideally the time to move hawthorn is when they're dormant in November. Um, if they've gone brittle, you know, if the branches are actually brittle and brown and, and just kind of breakable, as it were, then they're gone. Um, you, you need to sow uh, some fresh plants. So it depends. Uh, they've obviously got a shock. So... If they're if they're still flexible, they'll kick back into growth next spring again. My guess is probably gone. They're gone a bit brittle. They were just moved at the wrong time of year. Um, you, again, you'll get white thorn and hawthorn available in your local garden centre from November. And it's a very cheap plant to, to purchase. It makes a terrific hedge. Okay, plant. plants. Really, really yeah. nice hedge. Uh, Schaffelaria, is that the umbrella plant? Yeah. Okay, so we've two in, questions on yeah, this now, on either yeah. side. Um, I think we'll go with this because the other one is very similar. Okay. Um, how far down can I cut uh, my Schaffelaria? It develops more at the bottom. It's top heavy and nearly falling over. Yeah. And, and one has gone into a bush. Yes, well, well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Anne's has probably been pruned back at some stage. So, Schaffelaria yeah. is the umbrella tree, and it gets the name because it's got the leaves are like an umbrella, like the the, the arms of an umbrella. Uh, beautiful indoor plant, variegated foliage. Some of them are variegated, some of them are green, but the two tend to get very leggy. A little bit like the question on the hedge as well, the recommendation for the hedge. And Schaffelaria is a plant that you need to be trimming back on a regular basis to encourage it to stay bushy at the base. So, pinch it back. To Take about six or eight inches off the top of the plant now um, and continue to do that every every year because that encourages a nice full bushy plant. With Anne's one, it's already gone bushy and, you know, it'll, it'll continue to grow upwards, upwards. next spring again. Okay. So really easy plant to grow. Lovely indoor plant. My magnolia bush, yeah. uh, and we're going to finish on this one very quickly. Sorry, I've just realised I'm My magnolia bush is budding. Is this unusual? Why do you think it is? I've roses growing underneath it. Do you think it has taken feed from them? I know, look at it. Like I said last week, I think we had another question. Somebody had a, was it a rhododendron flower? Or no, they had a, a primrose coming into oh, flower. They did. And many, many plants, many spring flowering plants like magnolias, rhododendrons, azaleas often throw out a few flowers at this time of year because it's spring like weather. You know, thinking, if you think about when magnolias flower in April, the weather conditions at the moment are not dissimilar to April showers and April temperatures. So plants, spring flowering plants often throw out a flower in the autumn, early winter period because they think it's spring it's it's just a they're beginning to bud and the buds should be on magnolias anyway uh, during the autumn they're, right. they're producing they're, they're their buds now they're getting ready for next year same with rhododendrons same with camellias they're forming their buds now brilliant okay we're going to have to leave Is it there it? I'm afraid yeah okay. you're off to Kilshamot I'm off to Kilshamot
So I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. To everybody there, good luck with the old mehel uh, this morning. Uh, that's it. Gardening uh, back in action next week after nine. I'll be back after seven. All going well. Michael Neary is coming your way next. So great country music right through until one o'clock this afternoon. Have yourselves a super weekend. For me, for the moment, good morning to you.